In the uh, Old Testament in Psalms, there's actually a really great um, verse. It's found in Psalm 119, verse 19. I love it. It says, your faithfulness, it's talking about God. It says, your faithfulness extends to every generation, as enduring as the earth you created. Your faithfulness extends to every generation, as enduring as the earth you created. And I picture the psalmist writing these words and, and almost kind of looking over his shoulder, looking back in history, generation to generation, and just marveling at the fact that God's faithfulness has extended to every generation. You see, the people of Israel were in a very unique um, position back in uh, the time that this psalm would have been written because they could look back through their lineage to where God first showed up. There was a man by the name of Abraham. And we can read in, in Genesis that God went to this man Abraham and he said, I want you to leave your land, the land of your family, and I'm going to take you to a new place. And you're going to begin a new journey and a new family. And, and I'm going to be with you and I'm going to be with your descendants and their descendants and their descendants. And I'm going to be with all of them. So the people of Israel, they could look back and they could see how God was with them. From Abraham and on and on and on. From generation to generation. And they could see, looking back, that his faithfulness had truly extended to every single generation. From Abraham on. But have you ever wondered how that happens? How does, how does something like that happen? How, does it, how did it happen up to this point? How does it continue to happen to where today we're still aware of God's faithfulness today? I mean, God was clearly with Abraham, we can read that, but God was also with Isaac, his son, with Jacob, his grandson, and on and on through Moses and all the way up through Jesus and all the way up to the present day. God as the psalmist said, his faithfulness extends to every generation. How is it that, that that wonderful knowledge keeps continuing to be passed along? Well, I was thinking about that, and I think probably uh, in the same way that all knowledge is passed on. How do we know anything today? Well, it's because um, knowledge has been passed on from generation to generation. And this happens in many ways, doesn't it? I mean, think about some of the things you know to be true today. How do you know those things to be true? Some of them you know because of eyewitness accounts. You've spoken to someone who said, yeah, I was there when it happened. This is the way it went down. I remember my mom, your grandma, telling me this story. And I can remember this is how she explained it. So, so there's this eyewitness account of the way things happened. But maybe it's a little bit longer. Maybe it's before um, our time or our parents' time. So we have other sources. We can learn a lot from books and newspapers of famous historical events. Some people, that's the way they discover something incredible happened. Like this guy right here. No way. <gasps> that's great. Anytime there's an opportunity to put a dumb and dumb clip in, it's going in. Some of us, we read in newspapers. For some of us, even further back, we have to rely on historians or um, uh, artifacts, ancient scrolls that were discovered, you know, that, that tell us what happened hundreds of years ago. But I was thinking about it. One of the greatest ways that information gets passed along from generation to generation is from our parents. It's through our families. 
I mean, think about it. Some of the knowledge you have today about the way the world works, the way things happen in your household, you, you know this because you learned it from your parents. And maybe they learned it from their parents and so on and so on. And that's how things passed on from generation to generation. Now, that can be good and bad. I remember a while back I was listening to the radio and it was uh, uh, one of those shows where they had people call in to tell stories. And, and uh, I remember hearing this girl call in. It was about parents, the situation with parents. She called in and she said, yeah, here's my story. She said, I'm in my 20s. I'm newly married. Uh, my husband and I, we, we've just got back from our honeymoon and we decided to go to the insurance agent and figure out all of our insurance. You know, we've got to get our own car insurance now. We've got to get house insurance, all these kind of things. So I remember sitting down with the insurance agent and he was going through auto policies and the different versions there were. And she said, I do know this. She goes, I definitely don't want one of those policies that only works um, between 7 a.m. and 8 p.m. during the week and doesn't work on the weekends. And she said, her husband kind of looked at her strangely, the insurance agent. And she said, in that moment, in my mid-20s, I realized my parents had lied to me. <laughs> and the, <laughs> the coverage we had on our cars growing up didn't end at 8 o'clock in the evening. <laughs> it just meant that I was never allowed to drive at night or on the weekends. <laughs> I'm in my 20s. I never questioned that. I just believed. <laughs> so, so there are good things and bad things about things that are passed on from our parents. Now, think about it. Sometimes you'll meet a child or a, a teenager and, and you'll think, man, you've got really good manners or, or your work ethic is amazing. You work really hard. And, and oftentimes, the conclusion we come to is you've been raised really well. Your parents must have taught you very well because your manners are really good. Inversely, sometimes you can come across people who have incredibly poor values, Maybe through their behavior or their language, it's clear that this person might be racist or sexist or, or other negative behaviors. You think, how can someone be like that? How can someone think that way, be so, so hateful like that? And then you discover, you, you meet the family in which they grew up in, and you discover, well, that's the house that they grew up in. That's what was modeled to them. So whether good or bad, many of us, we've learned our values and our knowledge from the parents, from the family in which we grew up. So I hope this morning that whether you're parents or spiritual parents or grandparents or coaches or mentors, that you would be aware of the responsibility that we all have to pass on the legacy to the next generation. And I feel like it's days like Mother's Day and Father's Day that kind of cause us to pause a little bit and just think about that. Just think about that responsibility that we have in passing on to the next generation and generations beyond that. And so what I want to look at this morning is the unique role that mums have. And just, I should have said this earlier to, to clarify, okay? I know that mums are a plant, uh, but I'm afraid all morning that's what you're going to be, okay? Because where I come from, mum is M-U-M, not M-O-M, so I'm not saying it wrong up here. I'm just English, all right? I'm sorry. So, so to all you mums out there, happy mums day. Now, in a few weeks, it's going to be Father's Day. We're going to look at some of the unique roles that dads have. But this morning, I want to focus in on just, just, just what it is about mums that makes them unique. How God uses the mums in our life to pass on his faithfulness from generation to generation. Now, I promise, I'm going to try and avoid some of the stereotypical roles of mums and dads. 
You know, I, I, it would be easy for me to say, oh, you know, if, if your kids grew up being really good at cooking, it's probably their mom. Now, that, that may not be the case. Maybe, maybe some kids you grew up because your dad was an incredible cook, and he taught you everything. And as a result, you now are also an incredible cook. Sadly, not the case in the Jane household. Okay, I'm going to be honest. Um, if my kids need to know exactly how much sugar and milk to put on cereal, I'm their guy. Okay, they are always going to do well. They're going to get the exact right amount of sugar and milk every single time. But that's where my culinary skills end, unfortunately. Luckily, my wife is incredible. She's a great baker, a great cook. We eat some wonderful meals and eat some great cookies that she makes. So my kids have learned that from her. But in the same way, I'm not going to make the assumption that, that some um, kids will grow up to be handy around the house because of their dad, because he taught them how to, how to fix things. That often happens, but I'm embarrassed uh, a, a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, uh, I had a lady at Connects come up to me and she pointed out that the, uh, there's a fence back in our kids' area that had come detached from the wall. And she said, hey, I've noticed for a few weeks now that's been detached. Would you mind if I fix that? And I feel bad because I went, you? <laughs> And she said, yes. And, and she did. She was amazing. She, she came in during the week and she, she took the fence apart and she re-drilled the holes and she sanded and covered up the old holes and the fence is stronger now than it's ever been. So I know that, that mums and dads have lots of different roles, but I do think, as I was thinking about this morning, I do think there's a couple of things that are somewhat unique to mums. There's lots of things, but I focused on just two this morning because I think it's a really good way to, to remind ourselves of these values that mums have, that God has, has wired you that way intentionally because it's actually part of his nature inside of you, and we need it. We need it. God knows that we need this in our lives, and he's, he's using the mums in our life to, to do this for us so that his faithfulness will continue to extend from generation to generation. One of those things that I think mums do really well is they protect. Mums protect. It's just instinctive within you to protect your kids as they're growing up. Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this because in Luke 13, 34, he was talking about Israel and the pain and the suffering they were encountering. Listen to what he said. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen, as a mother hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. Jesus is saying, my heart is, is to protect you, to be there for you. And the best way to describe how much I want to protect you is to, to use the analogy, to use the illustration that I wish I was like a mother hen. Because that's the perfect illustration of what it looks like to protect someone in danger. I heard a pastor speaking on this verse once, and he said that there was a guy in his church who was a farmer, and after speaking on it, the farmer came and explained to him, do you understand really what that means? And the guy says, well, not really, no. And he says, well, I grew up on a farm. My dad's a farmer, I'm a farmer. And on our farm growing up, we had loads of chickens. He goes, chickens are, are silly little things. They just make a lot of noise, and they lay eggs. And um, he said, but the more time you spend around chickens, the more time you realize these hens, they have different types of clucking sounds that they make. When I go out there with the food in the morning, there's this clucking, and I, I recognize that as they're hungry, they're ready for their food. He said, but when I was a kid, I used to play this game where I created, out of cardboard, um, this, this uh, silhouette of an eagle, 
like I made it and put it on a stick. And for fun, I would go over to the hens and I would just kind of hold it up so the shadow would cast down. <laughs> what kind of sick farmer are you? But I guess <laughs> as a teenager, you're looking for things to do just to pass time on the farm. And this is a lot of fun because as soon as the hen sees the shadow of that bird of prey, instinctively she panics, he says, and she gives a different sound in kind of cluck. It's one of fear and panic. And instantly the chicks recognize that sound and they come running to the mother. He said, and she surrounds them and puts her wings over the chicks because she would rather lose her life than see her children harmed. And this is what Jesus is saying. "I, I love and care about you so much. I'm willing to give up my life to protect you. That's how much I love every one of you. He's saying it to the people of Israel, but I believe it's as true today for you and me as it was back then. That Jesus says, I love every one of you so much. I see what you're going through. I see the pain and the suffering and the hurt. And like a mother hen, the attribute of a mom who wants to protect, I just want to put my wings over you. I wanna just protect you from the pain that you're feeling. It's not that dads aren't protective, I mean, we are, but let's be honest, you don't often see mums throwing their kids up in the air. But dads, we love that. Let's, let's see how high we can get this and still catch them. That's, that's not a protective heart. That's a, that's a um, ridiculous, reckless, reckless heart. Casey had a friend growing up, I wasn't even in my notes, but I just thought of this, a friend growing up who was doing that one day with his firstborn in the house, and he was getting higher and higher until the baby went up and hit the ceiling fan, his head hit the ceiling fan, and he said he came down, he was so scared, he caught him, gently put him down, and then passed out, is that right, did he pass out? (laughs) The baby was fine, but I think it was the last time he threw him up in the air. Mums don't do that. (laughs) Mums are the opposite, they're like, stop doing that. Because they're protective of their children. I read a story this week on an inspirational mum's page that was talking about a letter that Einstein got when he was six years old from his teacher at school. He went home with this letter and he gave it to his mum. He said, Mum, I don't know what this letter says, but my teacher's told me to give it to you. And the story goes that the mum read the letter and she said to him, oh, this letter says that you're far too intelligent to attend that school. And so they're asking that you don't return and that I teach you instead. The story goes that years later, Einstein found the actual letter that he'd brought home and he read it and that isn't what it said. What it actually said was, Dear Mrs. Einstein, we the board feel Albert Einstein is a distraction and is not mentally equipped to handle school like most of the other children. We are expelling him and he is not welcome to return. Now, here's the crazy thing. I read that story on this inspirational mum's page, and I thought, that's lovely. So then I decided to go and try and find out if it was true, and I couldn't find anywhere any evidence that this actually did happen. So I thought, well, how is it that there's no proof this happened? Because I think generations of mums have thought, I get that. That's what I would have done. (laughs) That's how I would have read that letter. I want to protect my kids from anything that might harm them. But while it's in your nature, mums, to protect, while it's in your nature to to shield your kids from harm, I think every one of you realizes this morning, you're not going to be able to shield your kids from everything. When these situations occur in the lives of our kids, we want to protect them from harm and, and pain. But we realize that we cannot possibly protect them from everything that this world is going to throw at them. 
So I think we also need to prepare them for the world that they will grow up in. Give them the tools as a follower of Jesus of how to survive and thrive. So there's this equal part protection. But I think the other wonderful characteristic of of some of the mums here in the room this morning is that not only do you want to protect, you also want to instruct. There's a desire you have to protect and to instruct. Mums, you are brilliant at reading stories. You're brilliant at building extravagant Valentine's boxes or ecosystem dioramas. I mean, that's what you do, mums. You're fantastic at that. You have that role to instruct and and to help your kids get through school and to grow up. And as followers of Jesus, this is a really important attribute to have. Because there was a guy by the name of Paul, and Paul actually wrote a large part of the New Testament. Over half the books in the New Testament are written by this man, Paul. He had an incredible legacy and an incredible ministry that he did in the New Testament world. And and he was always raising up people. And and one of the guys he raised up to to lead a church, to lead a church that he started in the city of Ephesus, was a man by the name of Timothy. Timothy was this young man. Paul had mentored him and, and raised him up. And then finally, he puts him in charge of this entire church. He wrote two letters to Timothy. So we get to know a lot about who Timothy was from these two letters, one Timothy and two Timothy. But I love what he says in 2 Timothy at the very beginning. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. He's talking to Timothy. He says, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is a really important thing to to think about that, that Paul says here to Timothy. Because Timothy grew up in a culture, Paul was aware of this, that was a very patriarchal society. Back in the New Testament times, women were kind of second-class citizens, the men were in charge, the men did everything. So there was even an assumption, you know, that the men were the ones who who raised the families, who trained the the rabbis, the leaders, they were all men, you know, who who taught these people the ways of the world or the ways of faith. And, And Paul is rising down in a letter to Timothy, I see this, I see the role your mom played in your life. I see the role that your mom's mom played in her life and in your life. That Lois and Eunice played a part in who you are today. And that's really important. So much so that a few verses later, Paul describes this faith that Timothy has has had grown in his life through his mother and his grandmother this way. In 2 Timothy 1.14, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guards the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. So Paul's saying, hey, hey, that, that faith that your mom and your grandma helped build inside of you, carefully guards that, that precious truth. That word precious there, precious truth, is a Greek word, and, and in, in that culture, it would be used to describe anything that was just beautiful, surpassingly beautiful, something of immense value. That was the word that that people used to describe incredibly precious and valuable things in their culture. And Paul is using it to describe Timothy's faith. Last year, my dad passed away. My mom is still alive. But there's going to come a day, and uh, you know, we, we, we know this, my wife and I, there'll come a day that my mom too will pass away. And we've talked about this, my sister and my mom and I, you know, there's uh, a plan in place so that when she does pass away, you know, what she has left, she'll leave and it'll be divided equally between my sister and myself. 
But there's a couple of things that she said, okay, so, so everything I have, I want you and Lorna, my sister's name, I want you and Lorna to split equally between you, but there's a few things I want Lorna to have, and there's something I want you to have, specifically. So she's told Lorna, my sister, you know, I've got this jewelry, uh, I've got my, some jewelry that my mom had that I've still got, I want you to have all of that. And it's incredibly valuable, and it's a very valuable, precious thing that she wants my sister to have. On our mantelpiece at home, all growing up, it's still there today on top of the fireplace, is this carriage clock. And it's a clock that um, used to be in a carriage. It was my, my granddad's father's retirement gift. And it's been in our family for years. She said, I want you to have this carriage clock. So despite the fact that we're going to get this equal distribution of, of her estate, she said, I want my sisters to have this and I want... And, and both of those objects, the, the jewelry, the clock, they're both extremely valuable things that she is leaving to us. And the reality is, many of us here this morning who are parents or grandparents, we have a desire to leave things of value to our kids and to our grandkids. It may be a house, a car, it may be specific items within our estate. And, and sadly, we live in a day and age where sometimes that gets complicated because after death, you'll see family members fighting and, and arguing with one another over who gets what and, and who gets this. And because there's this idea that things of value get passed on from generation to generation. But what Paul is saying here when he describes Timothy's faith using the word that he uses is we keep focusing on these things of value that will be left to us, that these, these things of, um, uh, in our inheritance of value. But the reality is what your grandmother, what your mother has instilled in you, the faith that she's, that's the most valuable thing she could possibly give you. Out of everything they could give you, the most valuable thing she could give you is that strong faith that you have in your life. God's faithfulness extends to every generation. That's what the psalmist said. God's faithfulness extends to every generation. This was the most valuable thing that Timothy's mother could have passed on to him, the fact that God was faithful to me. He was faithful to your grandma, and he wants to be faithful to you as well. His faithfulness is being passed down from generation to generation. And he wants to continue that with us this morning. And you mums, you have that wonderful opportunity to continue to pass on God's faithfulness to the next generation. And I think you live in this world where you want to protect, but you also want to instruct. You want to shield your kids from harm, but you also want to prepare them for when they face harm and you're not around to how to, to handle that, how as a follower of Jesus they can deal with situations they face in their lives. Protect and instruct. So this morning, to all the mums in the room, real mums, stepmums, foster mums, spiritual mums, whoever you are, we celebrate you and we thank you this morning for all you do. You are doing a wonderful job of pouring into the next generation. There are some of you here this morning, you haven't even begun this journey. This is in the future for you. Others of you, you're just beginning. Your kids are still young and you're in those kind of early stages. Maybe some of you, your kids are older now. Maybe there are some here this morning who can relate to, to me and the stage of life I'm in. This is uh, a picture from yesterday I know. And it's, it's a strange picture. I can't wrap my head around it because just last week, we were starting Connect Church and he was 12. 
helping to set up the lights in the middle school. And then actually just the week before that, he started kindergarten. And a few days before that, we were bringing him back from the hospital. And suddenly, here's Casey, my wife, and I stood at his college graduation. And I know that for some of you, you're at this stage or maybe beyond that stage. And it can be a little bit of a challenge. Because that idea of instructing and protecting, that's something you believe in. But your kids have now reached an age where, where they don't need your instruction as much. They don't need your protection as much. Because they've grown to figure these, out, these things out for themselves. And for some, Mother's Day can be bittersweet as you wish they were just those little ones again. But I want to tell you that for you, your legacy lives on in them. Eventually, they will begin a family of their own. And thanks to you, God's faithfulness will continue on from generation to generation. So wherever you find yourself on that journey this morning, we thank you. Thank you for being a part of playing a role in continuing God's faithfulness from generation to generation. Let's pray. Father, as I said already, this day can be a day of celebration. It can be a difficult day for some. Um, wherever everyone finds us themselves this morning, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would, you would bless the mums in the room, the mums who feel called to protect and instruct. God, this is an attribute that is unique to them, and it's a, it's a characteristic, God, I believe, of you. It's something of you that's hardwired into the mums because you too want to see the next generation being raised to be protected from harm, but also instructed to, to be able to live for you in the world in which we find ourselves. So God, I pray for everyone here, Lord, whether they are just beginning this journey or whether they're at the end of this journey, Lord, I pray that every single one of them, Lord, will know that they play a part in that legacy of helping your faithfulness continue from generation to generation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.